We'll review the main stories in today's papers. In studio with me to provide that critical and perhaps even cynical analysis, I have three journalists. Blessed am I amongst those. They are Lise Hand, a freelance journalist and a recent returnee from the greatest circus on earth, which is the American presidential election. I bet you expected me to say the Olympics there. There's Daniel McConnell, political editor of the Irish Examiner and the journalist who broke the Michael O'Reilly failed drug test story. And also fellow Connemara man Dave O'Connell, editor of the Connacht Tribune and someone who, like myself, is hoping that Galway will manage to extend our summer for another few weeks. You're all very welcome to studio. I'll start with the actual papers itself. The Irish Independent has Olympic heat. Olympics are all over the papers today, if not on the front page, certainly inside in the papers itself. But they have three sub-headlines in it. I want the I want to see the money trail, kind of show me the money kind of attitude from Shane Ross. That's what he's told the Irish Olympic Council president. Second sub-headline, pressure grows on Pat Hickey to reveal the contracts. Pat Hickey is the aforesaid president of the Irish Olympic Councils. And the third sub-headline is new concerns over tickets for the families of the athletes. The Sunday Business Post, no Olympics on their front page, three stories there. Exclusive, Brexit fears revealed secret state in secret state papers. There's probably no great shock in all of this. I suppose the surprise is that all the fears and all the tales of woes are gathered into one particular document that uh, Jack Hogan Jones has seen. They include Ireland that Ireland could be frozen out of any plans, British plans, for more nuclear development. Actually, Jack Horgan Jones really earned his keep this week because he has he is pinned the three stories that are on the front page of the Sunday Business Post. One of those is Mattress Mick Carpets Nama. Now, I bet you thought that should have read Mattress Mick Beds Nama, but actually, <laughs> when you actually read the story, you'll find out that Mattress Mick is not in love with Nama at all this week. And also, in the Sunday Times, Great picture on the front page of the Sunday Times of Ireland uh, number eight, Jamie Heaslip and his new bride, Sheena O'Buchel, who got married yesterday. The best of luck to them. But actually, their main story is minimum wage pledge lies in tatters. Stephen O'Brien is telling us the government has abandoned plans uh, or abandoned its pledge to raise the minimum wage from ten, to €10.50 Euros 50 by 2020. The Sunday World, drug, Drugs Mule Home, Michaela McCollum. You heard that in the headlines there. Uh, she arrived home yesterday and I'm sure the race is already underway to bring her to a chat show somewhere near you very, very soon. And then finally, we have a, the Irish Mail on Sunday. Charity bosses 2.3 million shopping spree in New York. This is a continuation of Michael O'Farrell's investigation into the behaviour and the propriety of certain charities in Ireland. But I suppose... We better start with the biggest story in town, really, this week. has been for a week and a half. And actually, it has been, Daniel, since you broke a story, I think, on the 4th of August, if my dates are correct, about the Olympics and a failed drug threat from Michael O'Farrell. But that story has moved on and on and on. And it is really not a sports story anymore. Now, we'll deal with that, the sports side of it later on. But it is a big political scandal at the minute. It is. I suppose what happened, we had almost two separate stories that kind of merged into one. Uh, initially we had the boxing doping scandal which obviously was 
a great disappointment and a great uh, tragedy on the eve of the Olympics. But then, and also a personal tragedy personal for the individual. Absolutely, you know, I mean, you you work and you train and you get yourself into a position of getting on the plane and then to be de- denied at the last minute. Now, there's been precious little sympathy for him uh, since he's admitted taking um, the supplement um, and apologised to his teammates. There's been precious little sympathy both in the media and you know on on. on and I suppose on, people are also seeing how that ripple would have affected the boxing team exactly. Who had, you know, because who I didn't mean, have a great showing. No, and and. What was described to me actually on the day that we broke the story was this is likely to have a very negative impact on the team because they're a very close group of people. And I mean, what I thought was really revealing was there was a kind of an hour and a half between we broke the initial story and then we, when we named Michael O'Reilly, like we were getting tweets from members of the team, like Paddy Barnes, you know, basically calling me out to name Michael O'Reilly on Twitter because um, they didn't know. Would you go you out know? to Michael O'Reilly? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my my attitude was, you know, it was a very, like, obviously, you know, the boxers have been that to the fore of our success in recent years, particularly with Katie Taylor and others. So for this to happen within the boxing setup was a huge, you know, was a, a tragedy, you know, in, in a sporting context. But then that was, so that was story one and that played out. Ultimately, he was sent home yeah. and was, uh, you know, precluded from, from competing. And there was a lot of confusion during the time yeah. how he was actually going to address the challenge. Yeah, I mean, because there was this issue around would he go for the B test? Yeah. And, like, and, you know, people, this, this issue's been well flagged out. You know, there's an A sample which is tested and then that came back negative or, you know, a, a, an adverse finding was found and then he has the right to go for a B, a B sample or go to a straight appeal. Now, he obviously pulled back from all of that, uh, accepted the sanction and, and, and got on the plane and came home. But as as that was being parked in another story. Another, this, and this is probably a, more, a much more serious story. This is around the, the, the selling of Irish tickets or tickets um, basically designated to the Olympic Council of Ireland on the black market for huge sums of money. Now, the political ramifications of that now have obviously landed at the door of Transport Minister Shane Ross because he's the line minister uh, and he's on his way to Rio today and obviously there's a you know the anticipation of a showdown meeting with Paddy yeah, There's today. a kind of a gunfight at the OK yeah. Corral See, now, and in fairness it was Shane Ross himself who actually I suppose painted that backdrop was it Dave that he kind of uh, particularly in that interview on uh, on Friday morning I think both on this show or on this this channel station. and on Morning Ireland he, he was going out all guns blazing He was when somebody starts out by saying I'm going to have a tense meeting with somebody I think you can gather from that that it's not going to be terribly friendly I must say my first reaction to this is when I heard uh, somebody called Kevin Mallon was arrested I thought I was watching Reading in the Years and that it was the breakout from Mount Joy Prison in, in 1973 all over again the second reaction I had quite honestly because some of this is lost on me um, looking at all the empty seats out there I'd have given the man a medal for selling extra tickets rather than uh, necessarily uh, saying that he was charging too much. Even at face value? Even at face value. Do you know what? There is a small bit and the day that's in it on and you will appreciate this as much as anybody else. There's a touch of I'll meet you outside the Gresham Hotel and collect two tickets for the match off this. If I bought a package to go to see the Olympics I would expect my tickets up front. Not that I had to meet a fella somewhere when I got out there to see could I get in there because all of that just smacks of a little bit of amateurism in an organisation or in in an event that's supposed to be amateur only in 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 theory, not in in reality. Uh, I there is probably a little bit of this that uh, let's how do we put it, uh, Miley Patiki in a media terms, mightn't be the most popular man in the world. And therefore, if something goes wrong on his watch, he's going to be up for all of that. I think uh, perhaps uh, the minister has shot his bolt just a little bit by preempting how the meeting is going to happen and what's going to happen at the meeting. That said, you can't be allowed to investigate yourself. So he's right yeah. to the extent that there needs to be some outside representative but involved not, in it's this. It's not an unreasonable request in that the minister, I need some outside thing. No. And, and, and if 
Hickey is anyway wily, which I believe he is. I think that that's a given. I think he'll kind of even. Uh, what did the minister say? Uh, someone, uh, somebody independent, a judge or a journalist, even. That's a sentence the, you don't well, hear too often. No, it isn't anyone that's calling in. I know he's remembering his own profession or that. But I think the one common theme between this is his the own, slow reaction. Uh, <laughs> yes, um, as Danny said in relation to the drugs uh, situation, the, the the lack of, I, I suppose, immediate action being taken in all of this. Uh, similarly, I think if Pro 10 had said in the first instance that this was a man who had tickets that he was just doing everyone Isn't a favour and giving them out. It took them too long to respond. Pro 10. It did. You know, there was a... I suppose the new cycle, like nature, abhors a vacuum and will rush to fill it. So, you know, if there isn't immediate steps taken and people out reassuring and explicating, that's when the theory well, starts. We, we had a situation that Pat Hickey went on, did an interview. Eventually, it took, it took a while mm. and perhaps he was in a bubble that he was away over there. Uh, and, you know, it happens, it happens in political sectors, it happens in education. There's the, there's the staff room type of element in it. We don't see what's happening outside this year. They were over there. They didn't realise whoever was at home wasn't telling him, look, you better step up to the plate here. You better address it. But when he did that interview on RTE, as I described it, an interview that says nothing to see here, mm. move along, move yeah. along interview. He said, we have nothing to do with this fella, Kevin Mallon at all. When the reality is there's at least a broken line with them. Mm-hmm. And in fairness yeah. was, did Protein tell him that this Kevin Mallon was kind of acting as an agent of there and all that kind of stuff? Well, there seems there to be are the no, questions yeah. that need to be asked. This is true. I mean, there seems to be a total lack of communication between the various par- interested parties. The minister didn't know this and Pat Hickey didn't know that and he wasn't told this. So there was a general air of nobody knew exactly what was going on and I think as well you know you probably had a lot of parties were slightly caught on the hop on this one because you know you could imagine that uh, the minister thought that he was going to be bathed in the the same sort of lovely feel good glory of four years ago you know when the boxing our boxes went out and they came back with what was it you know one gold three bronze and silver and the, the vibrations were fantastic and then next thing this sort of storm comes out of everywhere and the vibrations turn very bad indeed and I think they probably just weren't ready for problems and issues that might arise, having had a smooth ride of it four years ago. So, so has Shane Ross now set himself up for a fall now, Daniel? I, 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 listen, I mean, I was just reading the, both, listening to his interviews on Friday and, and reading particularly the Sunday Independent Lead story where he, I think, you know, it's clear that they've been given a pretty decent steer as to what he's looking for yeah. in terms of he wants to see details of the contracts, he wants to see details of exactly what is the process from. Are suggesting a leak there now, Daniel? I would never suggest anything like that at all. <laughs> I, just, I, I just commend my former colleagues in the Sunday Independent being very well briefed. But what I think, what in fairness to, to Shane Ross, what he's looking for is, you know, and it, you, what you see is a sort of the kind of right. This is the start of the process. Tickets are printed and issued. Where do they end up in, you know, uh, the hands of someone who's essentially selling them on the black market? Let's fill in the gaps here. And I think Pat Hickey, at least, and the OCI have to at least come up with some sort of credible answers as, as to what the process is. But I would certainly think he's absolutely right. The OCI cannot investigate itself. That's a, that's an absolute. The, I, I, it struck me that that mention of you know having a journalist possibly on you know the investigating team that would be a first and it'd be a great crack if that you was stick too. up your hand immediately. Well, I wouldn't. I'm of, of an awful lot on my hand. I would like writing a book. I think about we your also. I think we could so. see a pig fly um, past the window of the yeah. studio, third floor studio now before we see that happen. Actually, but in reality. I would certainly think. Um, you know the meeting is scheduled for today at some stage. Like it'll be late enough tonight. I think by the time it actually happens, uh, I think 
both Pat Hickey and Shane Ross who are very two able media performers let's see who spins best out of it will be interesting to see I'm on duty today so we'll see it in the morning like so. we can see the headlines already <laughs> Rumble in Rio everybody you know? read the Irish <laughs> Examiner tomorrow morning <laughs> there's something coming down his way later on today but you know has Ireland been damaged by this undoubtedly so definitely undoubtedly so. whose fault is that then well, you know, I, and I accept. Yeah. I accept that you know everybody's saying nothing to do with us, and we're, we're not, you know, alleging anything on anyone's part. But is it a collective bit of responsibility well, here now? Yeah, I think you know there was an interesting. Uh, it was. Um, I'm not. I wouldn't be a huge fan of Conor McGregor, but he was. He was. Ta- he was talking somewhere. I don't know the last day or two, and he was talking. He, gave, he posited a reason why our boxers have done so badly, and he said, "Look, they didn't go out soon enough. They didn't. They weren't. They should have been there ages ago. It's a different air. It's a different atmosphere. It's a different temperature, and they should mm. have been training in that for a much longer run up." Mm. And there's a sort of a feeling of a lack of preparedness that a lot of you know. You know, Saipan brings to the a, do you know what Owen there is a touch of the yeah. old Saipan and the uneven you know you know, arriving and the balls aren't there and the pitch isn't great there's a sort of a slight feeling that just people just weren't paying attention to this you know in, in the run up and this is when things like this happen this is when you know suddenly drug tests come out of a, a bad drug test but doesn't that go back sky. to another question that hasn't been answered that, that well that I certainly haven't seen is when was a drug test on Michael O'Reilly taken well my information was done in the days before he got on the plane Okay. It was done here. So they, they, it was but done there's by no the clarity around no, that. No, there isn't an. There hasn't been absolute clarity, but it was done by Sports Ireland's anti-doping agency or someone on their behalf. Now, I would have thought, and I spoke to a lot of people. I said, surely you make sure, as much as you can, that if there's a whiff of anything, you try and nail it before anyone gets on the plane or puts, you know, steps foot on the plane, because you just don't want a situation like this where someone's in the Olympic Village and a controversy like that erupts up or you know builds up. So, um, but I mean talking to senior people who were in around the team at the time and they just said listen this is an absolute disaster because surely someone has taken their eye off the ball in terms of logistics coordination or whatever like that but I would certainly think in terms of the tickets it smacks of institutionalised complacency as often happens you know what I mean that the, you know, there clearly hasn't been uh, sufficient to my mind a robust enough process to ensure that this doesn't happen So, so basically what we're saying here is it's not good enough for the Irish Olympic Council to say we contracted X who's at an arm's length and has nothing to do with us. They still have responsibility. They're the captain of the ship at the end of the day. People are accountable. I mean, a a line minister is ultimately politically responsible. So, you know, you have to to ask questions of the Department of Transport and Sport. You know, you know, at what stage do they just simply wash their hands of this or, you know, did, you know, divest responsibility to the OCI? But certainly from the OCI, I would think the OCI first and foremost have a lot of questions to answer. Yeah, I still think it goes back to the point that they didn't say what they needed to say quickly enough in all of this. Mm. Now the one thing I would say is to keep it a little bit in proportion I, I saw the BBC coverage of the boxing was just a passing reference to uh, a, an Irish boxer who failed a drugs test. So it's certainly a media storm in this country but let's not forget where the Russians are in all of this and let's not forget I, I think the expression on Sanyo Sullivan's face when an Ethiopian runner mm. took 15 mm. seconds off a Chinese world record in the 10,000 metres yesterday would suggest that perhaps Perhaps we're not the biggest offenders or potentially in the whole oh, world not, at all. We always this. do this navel gazing, there's are, no doubt about it. Well, and and like when Daniel broke that story, yeah. I had this idea that we were the first, you know, so the shame of being first, but apparently some other volleyball player, beach volleyball player, might have taken. Uh, a tanning pill too much or something well, they, they, need were, they tanning, were first yeah, not, they, not they, early. they need all of that and that said with the ticket situation I can't believe the beach volleyball hasn't sold out but it hasn't no no <laughs> but, but in fairness now we're talking about uh, um, drugs 
t- failed drugs tests mm. and actually ticket scandals. But there's more to the Olympics that. And yeah. two lads from West Cork <laughs> rescued the Olympics. And I think Shane Ross and uh, Pat Hickey owes them a drink. He most certainly guys. does. I thought, I mean, we all, you know, having had a pretty bruising week for us all, you know, nationally and, you know, as you say, navel gazing over every kind of sinew and twist and turn of all of this, to see two lads with a very kind of happy-go-lucky attitude, mm. uh, the O'Donovan brothers, I just thought it was fabulous. And even, you know, their post-race interview, you know, where they're saying, we're like, Mick Conlon's going to box the head off us for not winning the gold. It's just fabulous. Well, it's, ref- you know? yeah, it's just refreshing full stop because, you know, so many interviews with sports uh, stars, with athletes and, Maria, with politicians especially, you know, you'll get the reheated phrases over and over again and the carefully curated sound bites. And these lads went on and they were saying, ah, sure, look, we would have been happy if it had been choppy. Sure, we would have done it for the crack. And, mm. you know, the great expression, which is now, yeah. you know, entered into yeah. the, 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 you know, the natural, the, the national lexicon, you know, just, you know, close your eyes, you know, pull like a dog. Uh, pull uh, like yeah, a dog. and pull like a dog. And uh, I mean, I can see that been, you know, I can hear it's that on, on t-shirts. <laughs> it's, it's, it's already on t-shirts, already on and I can hear it roar yeah. from like sidelines in, you know, pitches all over the country, you know, and even in newsrooms when deadlines approach. You know, this could become the rallying cry well, now. I think they've also rescued the Irish beef sector with uh, their state <laughs> diet. So I mean, you know, we're back to the staple diet. There's no supplements for these boys. It's just steak and chips. Well, you know, the great thing is, you know, I mean, it's it's sport where I mean, we're an island. We're surrounded by water. You know, we should be. You know, well, it's we should any, be doing well in, in rowing two and sailing. And two, yeah. two arms, And we should also mention Scott Evans, who last night in the badminton got through to the final, uh, to the semi-final stage, the final sixteen. So well done. And he said in his post game interview said that he drew inspiration from meeting the lads from Skibbereen so I think everybody will be going to Skibbereen and I suppose to leave the Olympics where they are and I suppose we'll have to read what Daniel has to write tomorrow about those (laughs) at least and I'm sure there'll be plenty of your colleagues writing about it too and broadcasting about it but I suppose to come back home this weekend marks the uh, that great milestone in political circles that 100 days the first 100 days I think today is actually the the actually day number 100 a lot of coverage of it in the paper a lot of coverage in the weekend we talked to Daniel about what he had written yesterday in his paper but I suppose you're looking at that Lisa 100 days your best your best minister Lisa well I think just to continue the Olympic theme if they were handing out gold medals for sports such as finger pointing running around in circles and kicking cans down the road I think the entire government would be up on the on the top podium um, I don't think if any of them really have had a particularly distinguished uh, first hundred days and I mean let's face it 70 of those days were actually put in trying to form a government and then they really were only in situ for that's, 33 days that's like that bicycle race that they have now in the Olympics where they <laughs> follow up it it's exactly <laughs> and then they all sprint <laughs> they've fell, yeah, just, they're all dandering along and next thing all they go all hell, heli breaks loose for, for two laps so you know I, so we're we, judging them. look at the two laps Lee. We'll actually, we'll have to look at the two laps. And I mean, they, you know, there's been a lot of, within those two laps, there's been a lot of uh, controversy and pile-ups. I mean, we've had Brexit across the way. Then we had all the trouble over, you know, then we had sort of, you know, outbreak of gangland violence. Uh, that's sort of shaken every, everything up. And then you had, obviously, the volatile nature of the composition of the cabinet with, you know, the Independent Alliance CDs going off on solo runs and ignoring Attorney General's advice and so it's... That would be Mick Wallace's bill. 
That would be Mix Wallace's bill, exactly. And, you know, th- that really, I think, shook a lot of people because we're on new territory now where you have cabinet ministers who are just saying, well, you know, I'm on cabinet, but I don't necessarily want to actually un- operate under so collective responsibility. So you're still checking out anyway on me. You're not going for it. No, I'm just sort of working up to okay, it. Okay, well, let's go to the other end. So go, to, go, to, go, <laughs> yeah. go to the worst. Well, I think I have to say that... Not worst, you know. Yeah, yeah, a lot more to do. A lot, a lot more to do. Well, I think Shane... I actually do think that Shane Ross hasn't particularly distinguished himself... Um, I now I will. Oh, he might have recovered ground last Friday morning. Maybe that's why Maybe. I gave him seven out of ten. Perhaps. No, but I think. I mean, I looked at it. I, I mean, I saw other commentators, and I won't dare to criticise my my colleagues. But I mean, I, I saw them give very low markings to to Shane zero. In fact, <laughs> but, um, that's not much lower. No, that's not. I listen. Unless, I, I look at this in European yeah. interest rates. I mean, I, I just like we get a lot of people saying bemoaning the fact that the independent lines are in in government trying to do things a little bit differently. When you know we have had you know stable government and disaster wrought you know time and time again. We had Fianna Fáil and and you know in government for a long time and people giving out about a lack of time for opposition to speak. This is a new, more democratic way of doing it. Um, the independent lines have you know, forced Fine Gael, the big party, into kind of uh, retreating on th- two or three occasions. They're, these are all first-time ministers. I would think you know, you've know, you got record tourism numbers, you've got record numbers coming through Dublin Airport. You've well, pre- but surely, Daniel, you cannot give this no, cabinet any credit for that. No, but, but, but the previous... 30 days now. We're in the sprint stage now here. Yeah, but hang on. This government was... Uh, sorry, the election was back in February. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, a lot of could have gone wrong in terms of impacting, uh, you know, uncertainty uh, around Brexit, uncertainty around, you know, unstable government could have impacted on numbers coming here and could have impacted on, on all sorts of things. Um, I would ultimately think that, you know, he, he hasn't had a perfect run of it by all means. I think they've been slow enough in on certain areas in terms of getting off the ground. But I think, you know, they've been very effective in in my attitude in staring down the the worst of Fine Gael in government and that's why I gave the number no. I gave. So Lise has chickened out but yeah. I won't have her off. Oh, no, I'm going to have a second out. I haven't, I yeah, I haven't chickened out. The microphone. No, no, no. Let's no. hear what his top and, <laughs> top and bottom was. Yes, not yeah, everyone yeah. bought the examiner yesterday. My top me. minister was Pascal Dunne who I just think he's a very credible minister and I've long been a, uh, 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 I won't say, I just think he's a very credible individual and he, and he doesn't posture like a lot of them do for short term media gain you know he's credible uh, and he's in a very important ministry now So when Willie O'Dea and Fiona Foyle were looking for that 5 euros extra in the pension, fairly populist move yeah, but I mean, uh, Pascal I w- slapped it back. He really. did, and I think what he's also done to a lot of his ministers is said, "Listen, if you want more money, you got to come with a pretty decent, you know, pitch, and it's got to be credible." So you're more to do, guy. My, more to do. Well, I, 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 there were two or three. I, I gave a pretty low rating to Enda Kenny because I just think he's he stands as a very diminished character since the election. Uh, I think he's had a bad term. You know, you look at you know having to concede ground to Ross and the guys on on various things, and also his rather bizarre appointment to James Riley as his deputy leader, having sacked him three weeks before. I think Michael Noonan also stands as a rather diminished character. He had a bad election, uh, and I think you know issues around his on his watch, like site serve, like Nama, are beginning to pile up. And I just think as well, you know, there are questions around his age and his health that that pr- continues to persist. So well, I cross over to Dave and pass by Lee's top. <laughs> <laughs> Typical, that's it. Yeah, do you want to hear being token woman? Top, I know. Uh, <laughs> top, I I give honourable mention to Dennis Nocton, who I think has been in stark contrast. I uh, dare I say to Shane Ross because he has also the from same West of Shannon. Uh, uh, well, no, he's he's in. just about from West of Shannon. Uh, <laughs> but in terms of certainly, brought, there's two ministers who have either created hostage to fortune or certainly put their their 
their their hand up on this. The rural broadband thing, which is an issue when you get down into the west of Ireland in particular. Well, is it, he announced a plan on that. He, he said certainly it be did. start delivery within a year or something He like most that? certainly did. And, and Simon Coveney, on the basis that his housing plan has very much left him with his, you know, uh, I, he's out either the in the firing line. Yes, that out the window. But I mean, if, like, he didn't, there was no equivocation. I know a lot of the, the social housing was already announced by Alan Kelly under the last regime but he has put numbers on the various five parts of the plan that he has come up with the integration of social and private housing and saying quite categorically that only in exceptional circumstances will homeless families end up in B&Bs in the future. Now, that may be a small thing in terms of overall government, but I think it's very refreshing to see a minister who will say, so, this is so, what I'm doing and this is how I'll do so it. You, Simon, so you, Simon, Simon, part that for a minute. Right? Go to most to do. Uh, I mean, I think, I'm afraid, I'm sorry, it's Shane Ross, who started in a flurry before anything ever started. He shot his bolt before he was even in government. He then obviously took very seriously the notion of saying nothing. Maybe this is why the the phones are being removed from them. (laughs) I would have thought that might be an issue. And then when he comes out again, he's, to use a a sporting analogy, he's uh, two feet up and studs high. Uh, So uh, I'm afraid that that's where it is. Yellow, possibly red card. I think he's on a yellow. So at least back to you now. Yeah, well, I find myself doing nothing except having to be in agreement with you guys because you got in before me. <laughs> so, um, I got your chance. Yeah. We were honourable no, gentlemen. Yeah, here. no, no, this is it. I have to pick up the Lavens. But I do actually agree with Danny. I'm, I think that Pascal Dunhu is very impressive. And I think he is in the process of probably eclipsing Michael Noonan, who just seems to be tired. He was Michael Noonan was the man for when we were staying into the abyss because he had that calmness about him and he was the man with the plan back then when nobody knew what was going mm. on but I think you know he's he's really had his day and I think uh, Pascal Dunahoo has put himself in a very good position to be and, the next le- finance minister most to do now and most to do well I mean I'd have to say I think it is I'd agree I think it is Shane Ross I think that he was so used to standing on the si- sidelines and pointing the finger across the, the, the chamber the and throwing the rocks. And now the rocks have been thrown at him. So that's fine. And that's I mean, he l- does have a transport, you know, issues. I mean, the Dublin well, bus are rumbling oh, 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 on nicely, you know, yeah. uh, for the and autumn. And Lewis, like Lewis, was sorted under his watch, in fairness to him. And this is, you see, this is it. So he's got a fairly full agenda. Sure balance here now. Mm. Yeah, no, he's got a fairly full <laughs> agenda coming up. And I think, you know, Simon Coveney, all hats off to him because, you know, there's uh, there's a great uh, somebody had a great expression on the papers this morning. Um, they were talking about you know we have a, a sort of an impl- we, we're very bad at implementing things. Yeah. We you know we're great for starting for you know launching plans and action plans and plans about action plans. But at least he did put his money where his mouth is and he did actually present something solid. And I think Simon Harris is one, another one that we have to watch mm. because he has staked an awful lot on... on uh, and there's a lot about him in the papers There is a huge amount on, Sul- about uh, him in the papers. I think Sullivan O'Keefe has it in and I think Michael O'Keefe and... Conor uh, Brady. And I think Conor Brady as well. And Conor Brady. Uh, Conor Brady. So there's plenty on him. So there look, is. that's the and last think, 100 days. Th- yeah, and the Taoiseach, Let's I think... Let's look forward to the mm. next 100 yeah. days. Well, I think see, the Taoiseach see, is... What do you think, what's going to happen in the next 100 days? Well, well the, the Taoiseach will, I think, will possibly, we'll have a change a change of the topic. Well, actually, there's an interesting article in the Sunday Independent by Kevin Doyle when he looks to the next 100 days. And he paints various different scenarios. He paints a scenario post-budget, like Daniel mentioned there. Obviously, that is going to be the big elephant in the room for the next few months but he has a scenario that Inda leaves immediately after that and then we have the fallout of that and then he has another scenario that Inda decides to stay so leave or stay in the next hundred days 
Well, I, a few weeks, I don't know, it was last month or something, I was writing a piece for the uh, the uh, London Times Ireland edition and I was sort of, I suppose, putting the analogy in that when you follow uh, the Taoiseach around and maybe Owen, you've probably had first-hand experience of this, you know, when you when he's at something and you try and sort of usher him along because it's time for him to move on, he takes root and he just won't go. There's a stubbornness to the man that he does not like being told when to go and when he, where, where to go. So, you know, he is determined to go to time of his own leaving. Now, I think my own instinct is that he will not see, uh, he will not be in government buildings by the beginning of next year. I oh. think... He will say we got to the end of 2016, a budget may or may not get through. And I think that will be the time where he will possibly step down. I I agree. I agree that everything hinges on the budget, uh, because I think you mentioned Willie O'Dea and the the pension, the five euro pension. It's who makes the running on all of this, because no longer do you just have to make a a request. You can now make a demand for what you want included in government from the other side of the House. Now, if you're in a certain party, if you're if you're in the opposition party, which is a strange place to find yourself when you have an input into government. But there you go. That's the way it works. So it's who calls the tune and all of these things. I think that the the, uh, Danny is right, the, the part of the problem in the first 100 days has been that not a lot has happened and it is on Enda's watch ultimately. I don't think he'll be gone by the end of the year but I don't think, I certainly don't think he'll see the summer. So his own stated ambition is to kind of bring them to the next election. You, no, He's not anyone see no, that? That's not, not I mean chance. like you have to allow his successor whoever it be hmm. A, a time to bed in and run but in. But the question then, will Michal Martin allow his successes that's, that time to and, bed in? And no, I that's don't, a whole different I don't think game. there's any, yep. there's no desire within Fianna, in Fianna Fáil to allow a Leo Varadkar or Simon Coveney, you know, full of enthusiasm, momentum and kind of, you know, the natural lift that a new leader would bring. I mean, you remember, like, what was the, like, Cowan, the Biffo bouncer that was known, he brought a 10-point bounce to Fianna Fáil when he took over. Now, it evaporated pretty quickly for obvious reasons, but, I mean, Fianna Fáil just wouldn't stomach that. So they'll find some mechanism, be it Irish water, which will need to be addressed at some stage next year so the we've charges. listed now yeah. Brexit we've yeah. listed the Irish water we've listed uh, the budget the, been, these are the big issues but you've, got bin, you've got bin charges which comes up yeah. for uh, for consideration again next year you That's have Dennis Nachton. yeah you also then have obviously the 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 pending winter crisis in the hospitals which Simon Harris will have yeah. to deal with because he, there is no more money for him this year he has his 500 million extra so already. in the next 100 days will any of those trip up the government that could lead to an election lead to a change of Taoiseach any or all, or well, just take your pick. I mean, any of them could. But do you predict it will happen in the next hundred days? It could. I mean, the budget is fraught with danger. I mean, you, you, there is a certain amount of of hop on the ball, like Will U D coming out with his with his five euros and so on. But what they're doing there is laying down a marker. Do you think it was a hop of a ball? Yes. Mm. I do. Oh, I think it was a total. Sure, he's the expert at the hop of the ball. No <laughs> <laughs> better man. So, but you know, he Willie O'D was doing what Willie O'D does, and he likes to stir it up. Right, that's he's great at it. Right, he's an expert. He's a master of what we call the brown spoon. So, you know, he's he's absolutely. You know, he was sent out there just to just to basically put a sh- shot across their bows and say, lads, we're not letting you have your own way. You know, we're going to be watching everything. We will happily veto things if we don't think that it's going to sail well with the punters. You know, so this is going to be... You, then you're going to have Fianna Gaylor saying, 
going to have ministers going saying, look, we need money because we may be in an election. I need to be able to promise this, that and the other, whatever. So I think it's going to be an incredibly volatile lead up. It is going to be extremely fraught and it could, you could end up with an accidental trip into something. Mm, mm. Something that starts out because we've seen this happen so many times. Something that starts out as a, as a minor row spat we saw and it the, just like we saw escalates with, we saw to the point of no return. Bill. I mean, yeah. the Independent Alliance warned Fine Gael for over three weeks. We will not toe the line on this and they expected a free vote earlier on. But Enda and Michael Noonan in particular dug their heels in and all of a sudden it became this massive crisis. So there is the potential for anything. But does that bring someone else who's not normally mentioned in, shall we say, when we're, we're, we're assessing ministers into play, the chief whip? Does that th- does this volatility bring the role of the chief whip Absolutely. more, in, more Absolutely. centrally into play? Yeah. And you scored her fairly low. I did. I did. I thought Regina had a bad had a bad term, uh, and she's a very. I, I'm a big fan of hers. I genuinely think she she was one of the great pluses of the intake to 2011. But we had instances of quorums, like we had a chaotic thing on a Friday where the, there was the the, the doll almost fell because the quorum they they were scrambling around for a quorum. There was also issues around um, you know a lot of inconsistency. Like normally, rotas are, are put in place for for TDs to know when they're in or not in the doll. You know to kind of make sure the sufficient numbers there. That wasn't happening. She then came out when there was this question around Enda Kenny's leadership. She went further than everybody else and called on him to clarify. Now she wrote back on that pretty quickly when I'd say the heavies <laughs> lent on her pretty quickly. <laughs> but, stuck but her heels together up in the t-shirts. But I mean, she, <laughs> you know, she has. Uh, I mean, she she just needs to get to grips with the role because I mean, I think what I think most people have said who've been around the block long enough have said what is needed is that sort of Seamus Brennan kind of warm personality who can mm-hmm. do the business with the other side of the house because you know there is the numbers just aren't there to to to, to guarantee I mean you've you're essentially got a working majority of one with the acquiescence of Fianna Fáil and that one has often looked you know you know people, people like to say that's the Michael Lowry vote the yeah. difference of <laughs> uh, passing or not passing so I think you know the chief whip and uh, her office were going to be very busy and you know you're going to have an awful lot of fin- itchy Fine Gael TDs well, that, that kind of brings us back then to that yeah. we scored them all we we know who's in the top or you know, bottom depending on who you are. And then Dave mentioned earlier how well Simon is doing. So then in the post, in one of the scenarios painted by uh, Kevin Doyle, you had Inda leaving. So then who, who replaces them then? Because obviously those who will be selecting them will be looking at how they're performing in government. So as they stand now, there are three contenders really at this stage that we're aware of. Uh, they are Simon, they are Leo, and they are Francis Fitzgerald. I would add a fourth. I'd put Pascal into that mix, despite yeah, his so despite his protestations that he's not in the running. I would put Pascal in the mix. So then, where does it go, Dave? Well, I mean, that's that's a big question. It, it's not necessarily going to go on who's performed well yeah. uh, so far on this, because I think you know uh, Leo is going to make his his uh, his case a lot more forcibly than he perhaps has until now. If they go for dare I say a safe pair of hands, a Jack Lynch type of scenario, they might stay with Cork and and look to Simon Cole. But they won't that. want uh, in, they, they wouldn't want two potential Tishi coming out of the same budget. No, no, that, that's true. The would, same would that be an issue? Not for not for Fine Gael. I mean, the issue for Leo Martin exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So, Lise, what would you? I would. It would. I would love, obviously, to be sitting sitting here and saying that Francis, you know, Francis Fitz uh, will be the first woman Taoiseach. It would be wonderful. I think it's we're long overdue it. So but I'm States, not sure. England here. I'm not. Yeah, it would be great. The compromise candidate often seems to work in these mm. scenarios. It's true, and you know, she's. Uh, you can. I still don't think you can rule her out. Um, but I 
think that it probably will come down to between a straight dogfight between Leo and Simon. I think Pascal will possibly will be in the mix, but I don't know whether we'd have the support, the grand route support uh, necessary. Leo's move as Minister for uh, um, Social Protection, move talking about issues to do with pensions and how people fund Absolutely. pensions. Is that, is that not a very no, good talking point for him to go out it's a platform extremely, to work on? It's a very good platform for him to, to, to go does out on. Does it balance, and does it counter Simon's housing? It probably, it also, yes, I think it probably does. And it also, Simon has obviously had to just concentrate all his energies on housing because it is the, the, the big, housing and health are the two big crises. So you do have two, kind of the two Simons, two bright sparks that are completely engaged with their portfolios. And it doesn't really give them an awful lot of time to be making calls and schmoozing, you know, everybody from councillors to, to grassroots members and so on. Leo probably has a little more time on his hands to actually go out there and lay down the groundwork that's what's been know, interesting as well as you know in the run up to the Daniel. to the break was you know there were stories coming around about you know Leo inviting a select number of TDs out to the races in Leopardstown and we know that he keeps his Wednesday nights free he always has since going into government to make sure that his his TDs he's doing the rounds he's doing the rounds of it and much more so than Simon I think because I think Simon uh, Coveney ha- since going in has been absolutely consumed with Irish water and the housing crisis mm. um, so I think Leo would have the edge at this stage um, but I would think, you know, this issue, again, it often gets overlooked, is that there's an electoral college kind of situation within Fine Gael that the parliamentary party have a much greater weighting than, say, the ordinary grassroots how, members. How about if uh, Enda was to anoint somebody? I think, how, that would, I think that's a would kiss, that be a kiss of, of death. Absolutely. Death, 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 death for whoever yeah. it is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Based on precedent? Based on every, yeah, just based on precedent and just based on people don't like being told who they should pick as well. You but know, also as well, it's a, unseemly for a departing leader to kind of almost say, this is who I would like to, you know, have, have uh, in situ. And I would also make the point: I don't think Enda Kenny's particularly well liked within his own party. So I don't think his his voice or his say would actually, you know, I think would do damage to a, to a candidacy rather than than helping it along. More from the panel later on. But now we're joined by Owen Chain of Off the Ball to tell us what's in the sports page today and what's going to come up on the show in an hour's time. I suppose it's all Olympics, GAA, Premier League. So all mixes there on. Yeah, pretty much. It's a massive day Premier League action back and off the ball this afternoon. I'll go through the, the Sunday sports pages in, in just a sec. Um, but as you can imagine, plenty of Premier League content in there. We've got live and exclusive national radio commentary and off the ball every Sunday, two games usually uh, per week. So today, first up at half one, Gary Breen will be joining Dave McIntyre for the start of the, I suppose, the Jose Mourinho era proper. I'm not sure, can you refer to the... The chosen know, one who's returning. Yeah, the chosen one. And I suppose if it wasn't for him, everybody would be talking about... I, I must say, I couldn't across you. I was watching some of the Premier League action yesterday and then I was watching the Hurling in Simple, Simple Stadium yeah. and I must say what a, what a bore fest <laughs> the, the Premier League was <laughs> in contrast of course they'll be a much better selection of games today on. there's no question about that but it, there's a stark contrast there alright and I suppose people especially during the World Cup of 2014 because that hurling championship was actually so good yeah. and people were like oh. was anyone watching the hurling last night? I saw it, yeah. Yeah. It, was, it was absolutely I must say I, it had huge expectations we were talking about the game between uh, Kilkenny and Watford last night replay of the uh, the semi-final of the championship huge expectations yeah. and it surpassed it mm. and it surpassed mm. it within the first 10 minutes yeah. it, it, yeah. it, the intensity was just extraordinary and that I mean you have to feel terribly sorry for Watford 
Waterford after oh, this. And you can yeah. never rule out the Kilkenny Cats. If it's any consolation to Waterford, Austin Gleeson's performance yesterday yeah. from centre-back. Actually, he was picked at centre-back. I think yeah. he was playing in about 15 places. Yeah. His fielding of the ball, I mean, it takes a brave man to put his hand up for that in training. Never mind with Kilkenny coming down on you like a ton of bricks. If it's any consolation to him, he's a shoe-in for an all-star. Oh, he without, without doubt. Yeah, without he won't doubt. be there on, on, on the first Sunday in September, which is a terrible pity. Yeah, mm. sorry about that, Ola. I can see I'm not a huge fan of soccer. Yeah, I, I, I think if there was an all-star going or a collective all-Ireland going for high fielding, yeah. I think Waterford would probably be mm. shoe-ins to win that as well. Mm. That, that, that skill yesterday was just so apparent, particularly mm. from Austin Gleeson. He was absolutely outstanding. That being said, though, you watch that 20-minute period between half-time and the 55th minute, and I hate to target Austin Gleeson, but there was one moment where he caught a beautiful high ball in the centre-back position, and went up the pitch, and yeah. I think the ball went into Murphy's hand or else it just yeah. kind of petered it out and went out wide. wide. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, But I thought the most interesting, like, watching Brian Cody on, on the, like, rattled on, yeah. on the sideline yesterday I hadn't seen that all too often in the past no, but he was no, rattled on the sideline yeah. yesterday yeah. and you'd have to feel sorry for his opposite number yeah. as well because particularly to us in the show Derek McGrath's been so good to us I mean last Wednesday week he actually came into studio before an All-Ireland semi-final it's very rare that you'd see uh, a GA manager even taking a call and mm. you kind of have to feel sorry for him after that well, what else is in the sports today, anyone? Yeah, well, uh, in the sports pages today, the Sunday Independent section lead with the High King of Thurlis, Cody Joy as Kilkenny, see off Waterford in replay thriller. The Sunday Times sports pages begin with the headline, Top Cats, Kilkenny hold nerve to reach senior hurling championship final. Meanwhile, the Mail on Sunday lead their sports pages with City's pep up. Guardiola oversees late win against Sunderland on Premier League debut. Here, and here. the Irish... Yeah, a Man City fan, like so. <laughs> pretty, pretty big times for you. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I suffered long enough when they were down in the second and third divisions, like you know, yeah. and uh, not long enough. No, no, no well, <laughs> hang on. All, all through my schooling days, all, all through my schooling <laughs> days, like um, no, but to see, I mean, I was, I was a fan of Pellegrini's, so I was actually sorry to see him go. But I think if Guardiola is a like he's a serious manager, and uh, like hopefully I this could manage Man City if you gave me that money. <laughs> Well, Mark Hughes <laughs> failed. Mancini <laughs> failed. You know, like, I mean... The, it's the expectations know, of the yeah, fans. Yeah, 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 yeah. Can you manage the fans? Know, as a Liverpool the Liverpool fan, I'm really yeah. on the sticky wicket yeah. here. Yeah. I, I think we're going to see a lot of sneering towards people this year who kind of get overly excited about Pep Guardiola's tactics. I mean, some of the simple things you might do, people might over-exaggerate. Mm. Uh, so that's what the Mail on Sunday lead with. It's back to the GEA with the Irish Sun. Uh, they go with Take Cat, Cody Joy, as Daisha <laughs> denied. Uh, and then elsewhere, it's pretty much all football. In the start, the big print reads, Joe, no... Axed by Guardiola, now hearts facing chop from England boss Allardyce. The Sunday Mirror's back page goes with Welcome to Hull. Leicester the first champions to be beaten on day one in Premier League history. And the Sunday World also leads with Leicester shock defeat in yesterday's lunchtime kickoff. They say Fox rot. Leicester gone to Hull as Mara's is set for Gunners. You can make your own mind up there which Hull slash Hell pun is the best from those. Uh, so as I say we're going to be delving into those sports pages in more depth on Off the Ball from midday this afternoon. We've got Dion Fanning and Declan Lynch joining guest presenter Tommy Martin of TV3 fame to sift through the various stories. Uh, and as I mentioned, uh, plenty of Premier League content in there. And of course, later on, Gary Breen will be joining Dave McIntyre for uh, Jose Mourinho's first Premier League game at Manchester United. They're at Dean Court uh, to take on Bournemouth. Uh, then at four o'clock, it's the big fixture of the weekend as Liverpool travel to the Emirates Stadium to face Arsenal. Ray Houghton will be calling that one alongside Nathan Murphy. We will, of course, also be checking in on events in Rio throughout the day with Michael Connell in the ring for the first time Paul yeah, Jack- it's gonna, uh, 
besides health and Katie is the only hope now really isn't it yeah, in the boxing fraternity at least absolutely I think there's been I think rightly so there's been a lot of dark stuff said about the, the boxing team in Rio but we've yet, we forget that our two best boxers our two biggest medal hopes certainly our two best hopes at the outset for gold mm. uh, are yet to step into the ring so it's a big day for Connell I'm not sure will that pressure actually get yeah. to him this the fact that he's almost carrying the whole men's section at this stage I'd to see Katie you know stepping into the ring as well I was, I was actually covering the Olympics over in London last uh, four years ago and was lucky enough to catch all her her um her fights and you know she's just an amazing athlete mm. she's just unbelievable but i think it's going to be i think she'll find it much tougher uh, route to the finals this time because to find this time because I was watching some of the preliminary rounds of the women's boxing and there's some serious talent yeah. there. Yeah. You know, I mean, it has stepped up as a sport yeah, enormously, yeah. probably due to her influence. The, the, to the, a huge the cats extent. might have brought up the standard of her. <laughs> well, I tell you, Katie has. The there's no doubt about it. You know, there's young ones, you know, putting on boxing gloves all over the place yeah. now because of her. And I think you know she'll have a much tougher passage to a goal this time. Absolutely, and people feel they can beat her now as well yes, at this stage because she's vulnerable. Having you know, she's shown. She she can be beaten. It's a huge mental thing. Uh, now, elsewhere in Rio today, certainly throughout the afternoon, we're going to be keeping a very close eye on Paul Drew Carrington. Yeah. Do you think it? Call it? Will he make it? I think he might. I think uh, a gold or a silver is going to be very tough for him with Justin Rose and Henrik Stenson leading the way. Yeah. Um, but like he's well in with a shot of getting that bronze the rest of the field um, like, isn't on a PGA or on a European tour level mm-hmm. even that much of a standout field. So I think a bronze medal is well within his reach. Uh, he's chasing down a podium spot, obviously. And we've got Fanula McCormick, Lizzie Lee and Breach Connolly going in the women's marathon. That's all happening this afternoon. We'll be keeping on top of it. And of course, the big one, massive day in Croke Park, tipping Galway in the minors and the seniors. Uh, and an All-Ireland hurling semi-final in both. Uh, we'll have Owen Kelly there for us throughout the afternoon for what will hopefully be even half as good as last year's All-Ireland semi-final cracker between the sides. Hopefully, same result as this time last hopefully, year. Hopefully, but uh, yeah, I suppose you'll, you'll have a better chance if Seamus Callan doesn't get a load of ball. And well, put, well, three goals, nine points last year. Mm-hmm. If he gets any, the colour of that, he's yeah. in trouble. I don't think he'll sell for an All-Star this year somehow. <laughs> we'll see, we'll see. Anyway, Croke Park, thanks very much for that, Owen, of Off the Ball. That starts at 12 o'clock, but still here with me in studio, reviewing the papers are Dave O'Connell, Lise Hand and Daniel McConnell. And I suppose, Lise, the returnee from the States, <laughs> the great, as I started with, the greatest circus on earth. It gets better, the acts get better at least, or, or certainly the, the ringmaster's announcement gets better. Well, it's extraordinary. I was lucky enough to be in Cleveland for the week of the Republican National Convention and I went with fairly high expectations. I suppose you could say it was a bit like, you know, Kilkenny Waterford. I went with high expectations and they were surpassed because what I saw there was extraordinary. Um, It was just every day brought a new shock and a new and you know a new jaw my jaw hit the floor um and you know watching trump actually in action it was quite extraordinary and i came out of there thinking you know if this guy gets in all bets are off um but i mean in fairness to donald trump he's doing his level best not to to get make it to the white house <laughs> because he really has I mean, it's like they lay out landmines and he steps on each one and he actually jumps from one to the other i mean he you know, just when you think he's done the worst possible thing you think he could do, he'll come out and apparently appear to call for, you know, Second Amendment uh, people to sort out, you know, Hillary. Um, I heard that described by a journalist when he a journalist was asked, you know, did the, did 
Trump know what he was saying when he when he actually made that statement ever or just then yeah and yeah well <laughs> this particular one and the journalist responded by saying it was it's known in America as the dog whistle yes those who hear it actually understand they understand what mm. said. and he's been he's been that employing, is very dangerous yeah. and he's been employing this dog whistle on so many issues as well you know just opening a Pandora's box of sort of xenophobia and racism. And, you know, it's, 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 it is actually quite extraordinary. And I think it, it's interesting to see his tone over the last few days because a whole succession of polls have been terrible, terrible for him, uh, showing even some of the traditional red states beginning to seep blue. And you can see his whole language is now beginning to change. And he's now sort of talking about, well, if I lose this, it's obviously rigged. Now, that's very dangerous. And he's now, you know, sending out forms people can apply but to be observers. Is it going out on them? It's going out, but it's every time you think it goes out, it surges back. You know, it's it sort of seeps back in again. I mean, mm. on, you know, while he's still, while the abject, absolutely dogs of the lying down dogs of the GOP refuse to come out and say this guy. But in is, the same way, this guy is crazy, and but we it says an awful lot about Hillary. Him. Like it says an awful lot about how detested Hillary is, mm. and I would think I've long described it as it really is the evil of two lessers. Yeah, because. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, look at the scandals and the shame that the Clintons brought in the White House the first time around. Notwithstanding their very good work in terms of the Irish peace process, Whitewater, Monica Lewinsky, you, you know, you have the, uh, you know, the impeachment, all of that the sort of stuff. stuff. You know, uh, you know, essentially, you know, and I'm a big fan of Christopher Hitchens and his polemic on Clinton, on the Clintons in particular is, fun, you know, phenomenal. Like, no one left to lie to. But at the same time, yeah. aren't there people starting to shift now? You know, it's like the Phil Hogan, Linda's your vote. Plea yeah. to the Fianna. But that's well, what she I mean. Has, she that she has pitched. Now? Yeah, I mean, she's pitched. She's actually and, pitching and at the... And described by Miriam McKeown in the uh, Sunday Business Post in her letter from America. She's just called it, it was the Reagan Democrats. The yeah. exact same mm. thing happened with Reagan. The Democrats went and voted to Reagan and she's talking about the Clinton Republicans now. Well, I that mean, that there is... A, yeah, there's a rump, obviously, in the party that they're looking at, at Trump and saying, no, un, under no circumstances can we go with this guy. And well, I mean, she's very attractive a, to a lot of Republicans. She, she talks she tough. Is. You know, she's she, ha- she's hawkish. She's hawkish. You know she's, I mean? Yeah, I mean, fiscally, she talks the language. She's a friend of Wall Street. I mean, the funny thing is, she's actually... There's a huge amount of, you know, rep- of Republican policies running mm. through, you know, running through her beliefs and so on. So it's, um, you know, I think, yeah, Trump is definitely in trouble. And But I, I think it is extremely worrying, the fact that he is now now talking about the election being rigged. I mean, ironically, all over the states at the moment, um, the legisla- legislation, which has actually suppressed the, a lot of the black, uh, of, you know, an African-American vote, has been knocked down. And well, knocked call down. it now, so, round the table here. Oh, I'll call it, absolutely, Clinton. Clinton. Easy for Clinton or Clinton? I think it'll be a landslide. Yeah. Only Clinton David, can huh? only Clinton can ruin it for herself. If something else comes out about her, that's well, the difficulty. Trump has already ruined Trump, it. Trump is, is gone. Yeah, I would Daniel, agree. I would agree. It's, it's easy Clinton's. or no? I think those. I just think given how detested she is, it won't be as easy as it should be. Okay, we're going to have to leave it at that. My thanks to my studio guest, Dave O'Connell, editor of the Connell Tribune, Lisa Hand, freelance journalist, and Daniel McConnell, political editor of the Irish Examiner.